Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 8. The Bible says, Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know if you're feeling what I'm feeling right now, but something just blew into this room. Jesus Christ. The same. We could stop right there. The same. I wonder if we could just lift our hands and thank Him for being the same tonight. I'll preach here in a moment, but I thank you, Lord, for for consistency. I thank you, God, that where two or three are gathered, you're always there. Thank you, Jesus, for being the same. My God, you're worthy. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and he doesn't stop there and forever have you ever had anybody just rush up to you in a panic and they're talking a million miles a minute almost like sister McGee does and they're just, they're just going at it, and you really can't make heads or tails out of what they're saying, and you just say, hey, calm down. You ever had to tell your kids, just, just calm down. It's going to be all right. I want to preach tonight on this subject. Calm down. He hasn't changed. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. I wish you'd just grab your neighbor's hand if it's appropriate tonight, lift it high in the air. And ask our master Jesus to touch us by his word. Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I love you. God, I thank you for this wind of anointing that I feel has blown through this house tonight. God, I don't know where it came from, but out of nowhere, you've stepped into this building tonight. And God, I'm asking you to direct our steps from this point forward. Lord Jesus, anoint my lips to speak your word. Touch our hearts and our minds together. And in the name of Jesus, let lives be loosed and set free. Let minds be set free of mental anguish. Let hearts be set free of bondage of sin. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you may be seated. Calm down. He hasn't changed. The world we're living in is changing. The world we live in has changed. And believe it or not, it's going to continue to do so from now until eternity. I I, I do want to state early on in this message for clarification tonight that I don't believe that all change is bad. All right, let's just, let's just clear the air on that one real early. However, whether the change is good or bad, change will continue to occur. Wisdom has increased. Our knowledge of how to do things is advanced so much it's mind-boggling. Uh, I can't even pretend to understand what can go on in this telephone. I don't know how they can make little microchips retranslate data packets to be visual, to be pictures, and to be uh, Google searches, and to be uh, uh, address books, and and, and Facebook page. I don't pretend to know how that works. I just know it does. It's far beyond my personal ability to fathom how they do it, but they do it, and they're going to continue to do it. I want to take just a few minutes tonight to to peer over our shoulder down memory lane and give notice to some things that have changed in our world today. There's four particular ways the world has changed in the last 100 years. Number four on the list that I, I, I 
looked at today, the world population in 1913 was about 1.8 billion. Now, 100 years later, it is over 7 billion. It's a lot of people. Number three on the list, there was no cell phone, no internet service, no television. A Time Magazine article published on March 25th of 2013 had the title, More People Have Cell Phones Than Toilets. Based on a study performed by the UN. Number two on the list, in 1913, Henry Ford created the first automated assembly line for mass production of the automobile. Estimates at that time show there were about 1.1 million registered automobiles in the United States in 1913. In 2010, the worldwide number had jumped to over 1 billion. There's a lot of things that's changed. Number one on the list of four ways the world has changed in the last 100 years, as reported by the U.S. Department of Transportation, 815 million scheduled passengers flew on airline services in the United States in 2012. 100 years ago, commercial flight barely even existed, as the first commercial flight didn't take place till 1914. In the past 50 years, there's been a dramatic increase in divorce. And if you've been divorced, that, I'm not throwing off on you. Just, it's just a fact. Right or wrong, the U.S. has the highest average number of divorcees among all industrialized nations. There's been an increase in cohabitation rather than marriage, which the Bible does not support. I don't care what kind of benefit you get on your taxes. Amen. Blended families have become the norm. More children are born out of wedlock than are born in wedlock. Since the 1960s, society has become more inclusive and women more financially independent. Since the 1960s, the term stay-at-home mom has a negative connotation to it. There has been a loss of respect for the value of life. Since the 1960s, there's been a dramatic increase in children having children, children and teenagers killing their peers and adults alike. Since the 1960s, there's been a dramatic increase in the number of dual career homes, leaving children to their own vices or television as babysitters. Over the past 50 years, there's been an increase in diseases, drug abuse, and addictive behaviors. In the past 50 years, the American diet has been lost to frozen dinners, high-sodium microwavable dinners, second-shift employment, and fast food. And just in case I've piqued your curiosity tonight, uh, if you do any type of studies on the American diet, uh, second-shift employment that was introduced less than 50 years ago is contributed to the fact that, or as one of the number one reasons why Americans are overweight because they're not sleeping when they're supposed to be sleeping and they're eating when they're not supposed to be eating. I'm not a nutritionist, I'm just stating facts. And if you're working second shift, God bless you. <laughs> Amen. I drink slim fast myself. In the last 50 years, the civil rights movement has made great strides in the fight for the rights of minorities. While prejudice still remains at an all-time high, even in the church. 25 years ago, we're about done. 25 years ago, and I can relate to these. I don't know if I should be proud of that <laughs> or depressed about it, but I can relate to them. 25 years ago, and who's here that's less than 25 years old? All right, y'all just put your hands down. I don't want to talk to you. Just 25 years ago, there was still no cell phone. At least not for the general public or the common man. They were about $2,200 a piece, came in a bag, had a long coiled cord, and they were huge. And only the rich and famous could afford them. Personal computers or PCs were not yet spoken of. That was still a couple of years away. Federal Express was in its infancy as a company, believe it or not. Walmart stores were only in a handful of small towns. 
1986 is the, the exact date that I'm, I'm citing. Technology meant fax machines, VCRs, and Sony Walkmans. I remember the Sony Walkman. That's bad stuff. If you had a Walkman clipped on your side with a cassette tape inside, you was, you was good stuff. IBM specialized in typewriters. Cameras used film. What's that? And disposable cameras were the end thing. I remember when I got my first disposable camera. Man, that was bad stuff. I was taking pictures of everything until my mom finally reminded me that film costs money. Okay. I got to 32 real quick. Rewind the film. Email was a futuristic dream. Smokers could still light up on airplanes, in offices, and in restaurants. Men wore ties to the office. Cold War was in full play in the global society. When you received a letter in the mail, it was either typewritten or handwritten. My wife and I remember those days. China was a very poor, developing country. Its harbors were full of junk, streets full of bicycles, and its countryside full with peasants. The thought of China as an economic powerhouse was a fantasy. Americans were just beginning to trust Japanese products. I remember getting the first microwave and the first VCR. I thought we were uptown. Terrorism was remote and definitely not on American soil. Amen. Junk mail consisted of circulars and catalogs delivered by the postman, not spam that went into your email folder. Spam was something you bought at the grocery store. And stunk the house up when you cracked the can open. Nasty. Lord bless you. Water came out of the faucet, not a bottle. Television only offered around a half a dozen channels to watch as cable TV had not come into its own yet. Very few people had heard of the names Bill and Melinda Gates, Sarah Palin, Lindsay Lohan, Donald Trump, Nelson Mandela, Bill, Bill Clinton, George Bush, Barack Obama, Warren Buffett, Osama Bin Laden, Lady Gaga, Bernie Madoff, Michael Jordan, Steve Jobs, Lance Armstrong, or Rush Limbaugh. Nor had anyone heard of the internet, except for the government, Google, Starbucks, Silicon Valley, global warming, anything that was dot-com, you hadn't heard of it. The Weather Channel, online dating, a BlackBerry, Facebook, Enron, email, CNN, the term business casual had not been created yet. 911 was nothing but a calendar date. No one had heard of a Kindle. The term downloading, what's that? YouTube, Six Sigma, ebooks, mega churches, apps, laptops, Bluetooth, the Taliban, blogging, GPS. I couldn't live without my GPS. But then you had the map. And I have used that before, but I hate it. Twitter, the term websites, Fox News, reality shows, the term digital was just what you got on the face of a clock if you had enough money. Or any, I, anything, iPod, iPad, I, whatever, it didn't exist. And until just a little over a decade ago, Blackberry was still a, a fruit, and green was just a color. Since the year 2000, in 2000 there were only 12,000 active blogs. In 2010, there were 141 million. Show you the rapid pace of change. In 2000, there was a paltry 100 million Google searches per day. In 2010, there were 2 billion Google searches per day. In 2000, there were 4 reality TV shows. In 2010, there were 320. I'd like to go back to 4. In 2000, the annual revenue from video games was $7 billion. In 2010, it was $20 billion. 
In 2000, the revenue for music CD sales was $943 million. In 2010, it was down to $428 million, almost half. Why? Because in 2000, there was one single iTunes download, just one, in the entire calendar year. In 2010, there was 10 billion iTunes downloads. In 2000, there were 282,242 books published. In 2010, there were over 1 million. In 2000, there were 207 billion letters mailed daily. In 2010, guess what? It's down to 176 billion. In 2000, there were 12 billion emails sent daily. I thought that number was high for 2000. But in 2010, it's up to 247 billion per day. In 2000, some of you will enjoy this one because I think half of them came out of this church. In 2000, there were 400,000 text messages sent. Thinking about your Sister Malone. She's the only person I know that can text without looking. In 2010, the number was up, and I don't even know what it's grown to in the last three years, but in 2010, that number was up to a staggering 4.5 billion. In, 20, in 2000, the typical hard drive storage cost was $10 a gigabyte. I can remember in 1995, no one even knew what a gigabyte was. In 2010, it was $0.06 cents per gigabyte. And last but not least, in 2000, there was an average of 2.7 hours per week spent online. And in 2010, per person, that number rose to 16 hours per week online. Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday and today and forever. He is our yesterday. He is everything we ever needed. The Bible records in John 8, 58, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. The phrase, verily, verily, I say unto you, is translated with this meaning. Believe it or not, it's a fact. So basically he's saying, believe it or not, before Abraham was, I am. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to hold on to the revelation of the one God in Christ. We need not get comfortable with this message because there's people letting go of it and stripping it away every single day. There are preachers that are letting themselves be turned over to itching ears. Thank God for a pastor that preaches truth. Thank God for a bishop that preaches truth. I want somebody to tell me, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I want somebody to tell me, Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. I want somebody to preach that to me, Bishop. I need somebody to tell me and remind me. I don't care if they give us a one God lesson once a month. We need to be reminded that that's who we are. We are Jesus' name believers. We are people of the name of Jesus. And we cannot, we must not ever let that go. If you ever let go of the oneness of the Godhead, you've lost your power. For Abraham was, I am. That's yesterday. He is our yesterday. Believe it or not, it's a fact. He is the Word that became flesh. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-two, he said, I am the God of Abraham. This is Jesus speaking. And the God of Isaac. And the God of Jacob. In Matthew 28, 20, he said, I am with you always. How could it be there always except he be God? Amen. In John 10 and 30, he said, I and my Father are one. 
We need this message. We've got to have this message. There's too many people letting go of it. And let me tell you something. We need to preface in our mind tonight an understanding, a firm understanding that if we never fill this building up, help me now, if we never fill this building up, we're going to do it because we're preaching the truth of the word. We can't let go of truth to build a church. You can't let go of God's word to build a church. And if that's what it means to have 30 in a church, then Bishop, let's just stay with it and keep doing it because the truth of God's word will and must prevail in our lives. I want to see a harvest of souls and I want to see people saved and I want to see people baptized in Jesus' name but not at the risk of losing who we are. We've got to remember we're one God. We're apostolic. We are people of the name. There's times we just need to stop in our life and say, hey, calm down. He hasn't changed any. Smack your neighbor a high five tonight and tell him he hasn't changed. Please do not misunderstand me tonight. I believe we can build a church and still keep the name. We can build a church and still preach holiness. Holiness is a message that saves. Let me, this isn't in my notes tonight, but let me tell you, we need to get it in our minds tonight and our spirits that holiness is not a separator. Holiness is not a separator. Holiness is an identifier. My God. He hasn't changed any. He is our yesterday. Jesus established himself as being from the beginning. He took it one step farther to say that he is also our today. He is able to handle our yesterday, but he's also able to be our today. As if that's not enough, he went on to say that he is also our forever. And he established himself as consistent, as dependable, and as faithful in our lives. You'll never find anybody as consistent as Jesus. There are people in this church that are very, very, very consistent. And they are consistent because of the Jesus that is in them. Well, let me just preach a little and say that those that aren't consistent are not consistent because of the Jesus that's not in them. I realize we got a small crowd, but don't let me lose half of you just because of that. We either got him or we don't. And I wish we had a house full of people that didn't. But when we get the house full of people that don't, those that do still need to learn to say amen. We can't forget who we are. We can't lose our identity because of who's here. Or we'll never have anybody else. We've got to maintain our identity as people of the name. I'm proud to be called one of them. Psalm 102 and 27. I take you here because in Hebrews, in our scripture text, I read in your hearing, it says Jesus Christ the same. The same in this statement. Jesus Christ the same is also translated in Jewish writings as a name of God. The word same. We call him Alpha. We call him Omega. We call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We call him the beginning and the end. We call him Day Star. We call him Lion of the Tribe of Judah. We call him Messiah. We call him Jehovah. We call him Almighty God. We call him Jesus because that is who he is. All those others are titles of that name. But we call him hundreds and hundreds of things. Well, they still yet still call him the same. Woo! It might be good for us to go in prayer sometime and just say hello, saying. Why? Because David said, but thou art the same. 
and thy years have no end. He's still the same today as he was when you got saved. He's still the same today as he was generations ago. God's not changed. God's power's not changed. He is still the Lord. He is still the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. Thou art the same. He is the everlasting I am. He's the unchangeable Jehovah. The immutable, unchanging in his nature and perfections. He's unchanging in his love and affections to his people. He's unchanging in his power to protect and keep them. He's unchanging in his wisdom to guide and direct us. He's unchanging in his righteousness to clothe us. He's unchanging in his blood to cleanse us. He's unchanging in his fullness to supply every single need we have. The word same means alike in kind, degree, and quality. And I submit to you tonight that if the Bible says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, that that means that yesterday, today, and forevermore, He is the same in every degree, in every kind of way you can imagine, and in every quality of life you need. He hasn't, nor will He ever change. I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but just calm down. Because he hasn't changed. He's still God. In other words, he's just as powerful in my yesterday as he is in my today. Well, Brother Mason, I'm just not seeing what I used to see. He hasn't changed. I'd submit to you tonight, if you're not seeing what you used to see, you're the one to change. Because he didn't change. We, we, would, we would do well sometimes to quit pointing at our neighbor. Hello. We don't have the guts to do it physically, but in our mind we do. Somebody's pretty, oh yeah, they really need that one tonight. <laughs> Glory to God, amen, hallelujah, thank you Jesus. We do well to lay that aside and say, I receive your word, Lord. Why? Because he's still the same. The world may change. Trends may change. Fashion may change. Technology may change. Healthcare may change. Jobs may change. Likes and dislikes may change. Taste buds may even change. But he is and always will be the same. He never changes, Sister Craig. He never changes. He doesn't change if I'm sick. When, when I'm sick and depressed, he's no less God than he is when I'm on the mountaintop. He never sleeps. He never misses an assignment. He's always on time. Those of you that think he's late need to think again. Because he never, he's never late. He's always right. I said he's always right. Even when he says no. How do I know he says no? Well, I don't know how it works between you and God. Between me and God, a lot of times, whenever he says no, he just don't say anything. <laughs> it's just quiet. <laughs> I think sometimes he's got a sense of humor and he's just sitting back saying, okay, dummy, read between the lines. When he says yes, I feel pretty good about that. But when I ask him about something and the heavens are silent, and prayers are silent. And I don't really feel anything. Okay, Lord, is this a test? Or are you saying no? And it just stays, stays quiet. That's just how it works for me. Maybe it's different for you. Maybe he tells you a, a loud, audible, reverberating no. I don't get that lucky. And if you do, I just ask you to pray for me. I'd like to experience that on occasion. Make life a little easier. 
But regardless of whether I agree or disagree, he's always right. Because he's God. He's always listening. Oh, we could stop and preach there for a while. He's listening when you don't know he's listening. Yes, he is. We'll move on. He's always present. He never messes up. We need to understand that tonight. That's easy to say amen to, and I appreciate the support, but he never messes up. And we need to really get that in our spirit tonight that God's not to blame for your condition. He never fails. He is the same. He is unchangeable. And he was the same yesterday. Bishop, he was the same in the first church as he was in the second church. And he's the same in the second church as he is in this church. And he's the same in this church by faith that he'll be in the next church. He is unchangeable. He is unmovable. He is a rock for us to lean on. Look at your neighbor tonight and just shout at him, calm down. He hasn't changed. Didn't that feel good? He hasn't changed. Why don't you lift your hands and thank him for that tonight? He hasn't changed. He's still God. He's still in control. He hasn't lost it yet. Your prayer may not have been answered yet, but he's, he's still God. I'm not making light of your situation tonight. I've been there. Just because God hasn't answered you yet doesn't mean he's lost it. He doesn't get excited about our problems. It's not because he don't care. It's because he knows our end from our beginning. He doesn't get worried about the outcome. Because he knows the answer before we've ever identified there's a problem. Before he ever allows the problem to come our way, he already knows what the answer is. That's the kind of God we serve tonight. He's still the way maker. Somebody shout way maker. He's still the problem solver. That's all right. Somebody shout problem solver. He's still our problem solver. We just need to calm down a little because he hasn't changed. In closing tonight, I need to give a couple of warnings here before we go any further. One, if something feels different today in your relationship with God than it did yesterday, you need to understand tonight, He hasn't changed. I, I haven't come to preach a negative message tonight, but we need to understand that. God hasn't changed. And if there's something different in your life, and you recognize that, then, then you need to recognize that between the two of you, he wasn't the one to change. Words ring in my ears tonight of a Japanese coordinator I had at a, at a company I was working for. And we were working on a project, and, and things in this particular project just were, were strained, and it wasn't going well, and it wasn't going like we had hoped it would. And, and he, had, he had made some suggestions. They weren't bad suggestions. We had talked about it, looked at it on paper, and, and uh, we made an agreement that that was what we needed to do. And he said, uh, so we agree. And we were trying to make sure in the language barrier that we did understand each other. And I said, yes, we agree. And uh, we made that exchange in, in both languages just to make sure. And then uh, when I got done, I said, I'll try. Well, being the typical average American Joe, uh, I thought that was the right thing to say because you've got to understand if we're, if we're going to be uh, transparent with ourselves tonight, when we make the statement, I'll try, that's an escape goat. That's us saying, I'll give it some effort, but if it doesn't work out, I'm not taking responsibility for it because all I'm going to do is try. Stay with me. I'll try. He looked at me and he said, no. Now, he was a little sawed off, knee-high to a duck guy, about this tall, and weighed about 75 pounds soaking wet. Never raised his voice to anything, but that, that struck a chord with him. And he looked at me, he said, No! Don't try. Do. Well, that, that struck my spinal cord just a little bit. But I soaked that up, Brother Freddie. And the more I thought about that, and the more I've thought about it over the years, there's a lot of good sense to that. 
And I think in the spirit tonight, we need to get a resolve within our spirit tonight to understand that we need to stop trying. Trying's just a mask or a band-aid for an excuse that I'll give it a little bit of effort, but if it don't work, I'm going to back out. I feel this in the Holy Ghost tonight. Somebody needs to stop trying and just do it. Because God's already equipped you by virtue of the Holy Ghost with everything you need. You don't need any additional power. You don't need any additional ability. He gave it to you at Calvary. It's a matter of submission and a matter of acceptance. And when we come before God transparent and say, God, I'm done trying, I'm just going to do it, then that's the blessing that God's waiting on. So if you feel different today, maybe you just need to stop trying and just do it. The person who climbs the post to the springboard and walks out to the edge and bounces a little bit and they get their toes positioned just right to take that, that 15 meter dive into the water, it's useless to them if they don't jump. Walking the ladder means nothing. Walking the springboard or the diving board to the end means nothing if they're not wet when they're done. Because there's only one way to get wet, and that's to jump. Somebody just needs to jump. I'm speaking spiritually <laughs> before anybody misunderstands me this evening. Stop trying. Just do it. Because he hasn't changed. And the same God that he was whenever you made that promise to him, hear me. The same God that he was whenever he made that prom you made that promise to him because he did something for you, he hasn't changed. And just because the hype of the blessing is over now, doesn't mean that you can't hold good on your end of the bargain. Mm. Warning number two. We need to be careful. And I, I, I feel in my spirit this evening, Bishop, that this might be a little bit of where we're at. We need to be careful tonight to not let the fast-paced change of society that we're in I took painstaking measures to demonstrate that to you this evening. We need to be careful to not let the fast-paced change of society cause our relationship with God to feel dull and boring. Because we're so used to change and He never changes. He is consistent. And we love that consistency when we need it. But when we find ourselves in times of life where that we may not need His consistency and His faithfulness as much, then if we're not careful, life just becomes dull and boring and we go seeking excitement in an area of change. Just because technology changes, just because restaurant menus change, and gas prices change and jobs change and health care changes and all these things around you change and we're constantly changing. We need to take some solace in coming into an atmosphere of God where there's a consistency. But if we are not careful tonight, I feel in my spirit very heavy tonight that the enemy of our soul will twist that around and we will interpret that as dull and boring. Because if he's the same as he's been for 2,000 years, why would I want that? I'll tell you why. Because that's the only thing that's going to get us through the next 2,000 years. He hasn't changed. If you'd stand with me tonight. He's still the same. We need, we need a place called the church. We need a place called the church.
that we can escape fast-paced change. And that we can come in and we can expect that when I worship Him, He's here. That we can expect when we pray, He hears us. We need a place of consistency to come to. This is our shelter house. This is our refuge. But if we are not careful tonight, we will get so comfortable with the refuge that we forget what its meaning is. If, if you visited the Red Cross every day, I can only imagine that before long, the awe-inspiring nature of the work they do would not affect you as much. Because it would become normal. Ladies and gentlemen, if we are not careful, when we're coming to church, if we do not recall to our mind every time we're here why we're here, and why He is here, and the, the genuine biblical importance of having a church. You can be seated. If we are not careful and we do not recall to our mind every time we come to church why we're here, then coming here will have no meaning whatsoever. If coming here doesn't have meaning for you, hear me tonight. This isn't in my notes, I was ready to close. But I feel like the Lord wants a few, few more things to be said in our hearing tonight. If we are not careful, life will become so routine. Life in God. That we'll come to church. Church isn't coming with us. And we'll, we'll find ourselves more focused on natural things. We'll be watching the watch. And we'll be watching the clock. And we'll be waiting on what we're going to do after church. When every one of those things are just temporal things. And the very reason we came to church to begin with will begin to slip away. I want you to look around you tonight. We don't have any visitors tonight. We've got Sister Marilyn, but on Sunday night, I don't, I don't consider her a guest. We, we don't have any guests this evening. It's just home church, and we, we can edit the podcast accordingly. I want you to look around you tonight, physically. Just, just look around you. I, I, I know tonight I, I would almost be preaching to the choir to say what I'm about to say, but you, you need to hear this. Those that aren't here need to hear it, and you need to be the ones to tell them that. Without people, there is not a church. I'm treading waters carefully here, so just walk with me. We, as a church, have changed. Is that all right to say? Something's different. I don't pretend to know what it is, because I don't. But something's different. I, I, I could show you and the reason I can show it to you is because Pastor showed it to me as well as some of the other uh, leaders in the church. I'll show you a graph right here of our attendance over the last year and a half. And we have went from averaging in the upper 70s to upper 80s to below 60. And this morning not including those that were in the back in the fellowship hall. Before we started church, and I know there were some who came in late, but before we started church promptly at 10 a.m., I counted from the front row here to the back, just what I could see, Brother Freddie, I counted 20 people. Now you'd have to add to that whoever was in the nursery, whoever came in late, and whoever was in the back and on the platform. I did not take a complete total number but 20. 47 grand total in the building. 
47. Ladies and gentlemen, please hear me in the spirit in which I intend for this to come out tonight. We are in dangerous territory. And, 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 and I don't mean that as a threat. Uh, it's, it's, it's not the intention. But we are in dangerous territories in a spiritual sense. If we do not recognize that there is something happening that is not of God. Bishop, if I get off course, you, 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 you pull my tie, all right? Because I feel the anointing of God as I speak to you tonight, and I have prayed about this. And I have assured God that I would not say anything if I did not feel prompted by Him to do so. Because I mean this sincerely. I know in the last... Three to four years, we've lost close to 25 young people. Now, I cannot tell you the number of times that I've questioned that. Some got married. Yeah. They stayed in the adult congregation for a while, but now they're no longer here. Except for one couple. And I thank God that they're here. And if I ever see you walking out the door, I'm going to come and grab you by your socks. Twenty-five. Well, Terry, that's depressing. I've sat and I've blamed myself. As I know our pastor does when he looks at the other 25 or 30 or 35 adults that are no longer here. Now let me be transparent with you tonight. I can say this because I'm not the pastor. I feel a little more liberty because of that. And we can edit the podcast. But if there were those who left that had a spirit of gossip, I'm glad they're gone. Let me be transparent with you tonight. If there, I'm not saying there was, I'm just saying if. If there were those that are gone now that were tares in wheat and God just graciously separated them, now I'm glad they're gone. Pray for their soul. Hopefully they can be saved somewhere. Because if you can't be saved here, you need to, be, you need to go somewhere where you can be saved. And I know our pastor feels that way. I know he doesn't want to open up the door and just let everybody leave. But if you cannot be saved under our ministries here, we would rather you be saved somewhere. Because this is about salvation. This is not about personal kingdoms. <clears throat> I'm burdened this evening because I know he hasn't changed. 2007, when we took the walk, we first walked into this church before ownership, bishop. We all agreed. I still agree. Brother Terry, I have no regrets. Just speaking as an individual. I'm not putting words in your mouth, but Jerry Mason, I have no regrets. Awesome move. Awesome blessing of God. Don't take back or regret anything God has done over the last six years but I also don't understand why we're where we're at right now. And I tell you something tonight, and I still feel the anointing of God, and I'm going to close as quickly as I can, but I want to tell you tonight flat-footed that it's not your pastor's fault. Not his fault. If he resigns and leaves tomorrow, not his fault. Well, why would you even suggest such a thing? Because God is not going... This is how I feel, Bishop. God is not going to allow His ministry to be ineffective. Before His ministry is rendered ineffective, God will move Him somewhere else. We're just home folks tonight. 
Now think this is why. I couldn't do this if we had guests. I wouldn't dare do this if we had guests. A couple of months or so ago on a Wednesday night, pastor opened up his heart. And if you weren't here, then you missed it. But he alluded to what I'm telling you tonight. That he was already beginning to pray about the direction from God. Because if he did not feel things were going to change, he would leave before the place got down to zero. I can remember in June of 2006, sitting up all night, talking. My wife and I with Brother and Sister McGee. They were still in Florida. He had not yet told his father that he had home on his heart. Some of you know the story. but I can remember it like it was yesterday. Sitting up and we talked and we laughed and we cried and we rejoiced in all of the passion and desire of what we thought God could do in Mount Carmel. And that hasn't changed. I just want to be a conduit tonight for the voice of God to speak somehow, sincerely this evening, that if God hasn't changed, what has? I don't have the answer to that. I think you do. I think those who aren't here that should be do. Brother Mason, why is it so important that we harp on attendance so much? I'll tell you why. Because we are in the people business. We are in the soul-saving business. Now, professionally, I'm a businessman. Outside of this pulpit, outside of this church, I'm a businessman. That's what I do for a living. And I can tell you tonight that if my scorecard looked like this, I'd be fired. Because I hold the responsibility for what goes on in my company. In the church environment, it's a little different. We hold the responsibility. Now, those of us that are in our congregation that, that aren't where they should be, that aren't Holy Ghost filled, that aren't baptized in Jesus' name, that come and they're, they're kind of guests sometimes and sometimes they're not, you know, uh, those, we want them to keep coming. But they're not the ones that this responsibility bears on their shoulders. It's those of us that claim to be the church. Those of us that show up on board me on, on uh, uh, voting nights and annual review nights. Those of us that sign bylaw uh, statements and we've said, yes, I want to be declared a member of First Apostolic Church. Because they came out of the woodwork when it come time to buy in a new church. Amen. Amen. They came out of the woodwork when it came time to saying, yeah, I'll give, I'll give, I'll give, and some never gave. Now I could stop and take another hour or two tonight and talk about covenant relationship with God and what the penalties are for breaking that. But I won't. <laughs> Breathe easy. Ladies and gentlemen, our pastor, he, he doesn't know I'm doing this. I didn't know I was going to until I felt prompted to. He would probably be irritated with me for doing it. And that's okay. I've got big shoulders. Because my heart's in the right spot. And I know Bishop will back me up. I was, wait, I was waiting on that. <laughs> Don't leave me hanging now. I'm too far spent now. Four or five months ago, my wife and I preached at a church, and this was not the first time that this had, we had encountered this, but uh, long story short, uh, upon eating out with the pastor and wife that evening, we had enjoyable fellowship, we had a good time, but an open door opportunity was extended to us to pastor their church. Um, it's, it's a fairly large church. Uh, if I was itching to preach, I'd have been salivating water drooling out of my mouth and I'd have been saying yes sir but I kid you not I'm not joking whenever I tell you I'm not itching to preach 
I believe God called me to preach, don't get me wrong. But I've worked hard over the years to find a place of submission where that I could just work in the local church. Because, Brother Freddie, I'm not itching to make a name for myself. But, Bishop has always taught us, when a door opens, you pray about it. So we did that. There were no quick answers. It was silent. <laughs> okay? It was quiet for quite a while. Quite a while. Matter of fact, I never heard God say, no. Just quiet. I'll tell you when my answer came. When I got my new job. In Mount Carmel. Two miles from the house. A job that should have never opened up. I, I, could, I could spend another 30 minutes talking to you about the blessings of God. And no, life's not perfect. But oh, God is so good. In Mount Carmel of all places. Brother Freddie, I've got more at that job than I did in a job in the big city. In Mount Carmel. That's a God thing. I think all of us Mount Carmel... Understand that. That was my answer. Because I didn't even, even really go searching for that job to begin with. But Terry, that was my answer. And I knew then that we were in the will of God. And that we needed to stay in the will of God. So I, I tell you tonight clearly, with, with a clear conscience and, and a clean spirit, I don't think God's done here. But for whatever has happened or is happening, let, let, me, let me say this, and I, I, I close with this. I, I'm going to need some help. Uh, Brother, Brother Daniel, if you would, I'd like for you to come and stand at this pillar. Brother Terry, would you take the back one? Brother Freddie, would you take the back one there? And Bishop, if you would, please take that pillar right there. We're, we're, going, we're going to close with prayer here in just a moment. And I want the pillars of the church established. I'll have you stand in a moment, but I don't want you standing just yet. I don't think God's done here. Let me tell you what I do believe tonight. I think there is a, a spiritual chronic fatigue syndrome that is resting upon this congregation. We have been, as Bishop says, in times past busier than a cranberry merchant. I don't know what that means. I just know it means busy. We've been busy. Busy, busy, busy. Those of you that are here tonight that remember building the parsonage days. Working 12, 14 hours a day on the job and then going there and spending another four or six and loving every minute of it. Having revival. I don't know what the answer is tonight. Maybe we're not busy enough. I don't know. Maybe our, our time is occupied with too many other things and when we come to church, it's too hard to really tap in. I don't know. But whatever it is, I do believe it's up to us to solve it. As a congregation, it's up to us to solve it. So we have a choice tonight because he hasn't changed. Personally speaking, I know the promises of God that He has given by way of prophecy and tongues and interpretation. Some of you know it. The things that God has spoken to our pastor. I believe tonight with all of my heart and soul that He is in the will of God. I think as a congregation, whenever we accepted Him as our pastor, that we were in the will of God. I think we still are. But we won't be if we don't get our house in order. The declaration from the Word of God from the prophet was set thine house in order. There are some things God's not going to do for us. We've got to do it ourselves. Stand with me if you would tonight. I don't even pretend to know how to even close this.
But God hasn't changed. In the last six years in this building, we've had some wonderful move of God. We've seen some awesome things. And somehow through this downturn, it's almost like an economic crisis, through this downturn, we've, we've either gotten spiritually depressed or we've given up on the idea that God is God. We need to take that back tonight. There's four men at four pillars of this church tonight because the pillar represents the foundation. If you feel to go to any of them and support, then you can do that or you can stay right where you're at. It makes me no difference. But if you're going to stay where you're at, I want you to grab your neighbor's hand, those of you that are willing, and let's just begin to call out in prayer the name of the Lord. And let's begin to ask God. Ask God. We need to admit to God tonight, God, I know you haven't changed. And if I have, I'm not being condemning tonight, but we need to tell God, if I've changed God, Please, change me back. I want to come back into the will of God right now in the name of Jesus. Let's lift our voice up in prayer. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.